Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Regan Kelly, and I'm joined by all my awesome co-hosts. Once again, Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm doing terrific. And Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? So glad to be here. And my bro host, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? Ah, uh, super good. And uh, this is episode two of our coverage of IF Comp 2017. If you're just joining us, or if this is your... Uh, first episode of the short game. First off, welcome. And secondly, this might not be the best episode to start on. Maybe go back a couple of episodes in your feed and listen to our intro to IF Comp, the interactive fiction competition, where we kind of talk a little bit about what IF Comp is, give an introduction to uh, the competition and interactive fiction generally. And we've got a bunch of links and other stuff you can check out there. And this is our second episode of coverage of the various games of IF Comp 2017. There were 80 games 79 games in this year's if comp there were 80 and then one got dq'd ah (laughs) and so uh last week we talked about quite a few of them um and this week we've got a few more to talk about and um uh, hopefully we'll be continuing this uh with possibly one further week of coverage of the competition as well so um what are we starting with what's the first game we're talking about insignificant little vermin uh, because we have not been playing D&D recently, we all had to get our jollies out on this little D&D 15-minute uh, IF comp piece. Yeah, what a neat little uh, what a neat little game. I'm glad that uh I'm glad that you guys told me about this one cuz I was going to skip over it. Um and uh it surprised me with its a level of polish. Yeah, I think this is the one that the most of us played for this episode and uh one of my favorite things I played for the competition this year so far. So the description is escape slavery in Mount Bloodrock, an underground enclave of orcs and goblins preparing for war. What will you discover in these dark caves? What mayhem can you wreak on your way out? And how will your former captors remember you? Explore a simulated living and dying world inhabited by AI actors rendered through text. So that last line is what really attracted me to checking this game out. AI actors rendered through text. I mean, that's that's a very specific technical thing he's saying about this game. I thought to myself, this is not a twine game then. This is not a parser game in the traditional sense either. No, it's very much a game book in the traditional sense of like the old Steve Jackson games game books. Or, yeah, and, and I've heard those because um, Sorcery and 1, 2, and 3 were done by Ingle Studios and have some of this game book quality to them. Yeah, those ha- those layer on, those are great updates. Those layer on a lot of like, you know, visuals and stuff like this. These are, this game is actually very similar um, in ex- experience, I think, to the original game books. And like, it's really nicely presented. Uh, the thing I like about it is this sort of continuous scroll of it. It works really well on mobile, which I've been playing all the games that I can uh, this this year on iPad. And uh, this one worked super well there. Uh, you know, you scroll down until you're presented with a choice and you pick something. Uh, and it does some really some things I've never seen in IF before, uh, especially with the combat. Uh, so just like the old game books where you would determine the results of the combat by actually 
rolling some dice. Yeah, and if you're not familiar with those old-style game books, I mean, and I wasn't super familiar with them until a couple of years ago either, they are uh, kind of a midpoint between a role-playing game, like a full-on D&D-type experience, and the choose-your-own-adventure style book. They they were a, a you know sort of a mid-'80s, uh, maybe late-'80s phenomenon where you'd play through this book that would give you a bunch of uh, narrative sequences punctuated by combat but the combat was much more involved than you would typically have in something like a choose your own adventure where you'd be choosing, do you like, um, you know, try to kick the ghost or run away from the ghost, that sort of thing. Don't kick the ghost rookie move. Don't you can't kick ghosts. Don't kick the ghost. Uh, here you've got actual simulated combat that seems, I mean, it's, it's, there are certainly some extremely complicated game books out there, but this is doing some things that are kind of, very cool that I don't think would even have com- been completely possible in game books. Um, and that is that when it says AI actors, what it means is that, you know, when you get into combat, you're usually fighting you plus one AI companion against two or three, uh, you know, goblins slash orcs slash enemy characters. And everybody gets turns essentially like it seems to be doing kind of under the hood a turn-based combat um, with all of those characters picking their moves and choosing their combat actions but what i thought was really really cool about it was that it kind of abstracts that so that um, it doesn't say okay now the orc is taking his turn he's chosen to dodge here are the results now your ai companion is taking her turn here are the results it presents to you the results of the combat basically as text. Yeah, it takes the entire round of combat and presents it as a paragraph that comes out in a very narrative, uh, you know, uh, it comes out as a successful paragraph. It doesn't feel like a like a cut and paste by a computer. Yeah, something I really enjoyed was the element of chance the dice rolls feel more like a slot machine, um, how mm-hmm. probable things are. Uh, you get basically hearts and crosses and... Depending on how you score, you can move forward. I really enjoyed how that felt like the chance of a dice roll, but it wasn't showing dice. I really appreciated that they abstracted just one more level. Um, I'm also really curious how you guys did. I really liked the little wrap-up text at the end that Mm. said what you did accomplish and what you didn't. Me too. That's something that I never get in IF Comp. You finish something, you don't know how many avenues were left unexplored. This being a bit of a dungeon crawler simulation, it actually tells you what you managed to do and what quests you didn't stumble upon. I booked it out fairly quickly, um, but I did survive. Did you get the magic sword? I got Orkthorn. I did not... um, However, destroy the iron monster. I got a sword, a spear, and a shield, and was in good health and exhausted, Mm. and my friend was wounded, but we all survived. Hmm. I am bummed that I did not play this one. I'm the only one here in the uh, group that did not, and this sounds like it might have been my favorite. Uh, I I do want to point out, we have not said the author's name yet. Oh, yeah. So, well, that's because I was nervous about pronouncing it because I think sure. it's a Czech last name. It's got the diacritics. It's uh, Philip, Her- I'm going to go with Hrasek or Hacek, possibly. Uh, apologies, Philip. 
Um, so he's, uh, I think this is the first time I've seen him in IF comp, but he's apparently creating this system, uh, which is called eGameBook or eGameBook.com that he's using to create this. Uh, and I, I get the vibe, although I'm not a hundred percent clear on this, that this is essentially like a, this, this project, uh, insignificant little vermin is sort of a prelude to some larger work that he's creating both in this system and also in this world. It feels like a pretty interesting fantasy world that he's fleshing out. Yeah. Um, Some other things I, I want to say that uh, haven't been mentioned that I, that I really liked about this game technically. Uh, just the level of polish is is number one. But it yeah, had... Apparently he's um, a uh, he's a uh, programmer at Google, by the way. Uh, and oh, wow. So, okay. Um, you know, I, I, had, I don't uh, think that necessarily means that he's got polish on all of his Gainfully work, employed. But, uh, you know, he's got enough chops to work there, so... Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, the there were some features that I I haven't really seen in other um, interactive fiction. Um, they he used emoji to represent your character's like status. So you start off with just sort of a grinning emoji face to represent your health, and then uh, kind of doom guy esque. You uh, as you lose health, <laughs> it turns into a frowning face. Um, and uh, so that was that was kind of neat. And also the artwork uh, was well used. Just, you know, when it was introducing something interesting, like a new item or a new scene or a new enemy, uh, it would just sort of drop a picture into the scroll. Uh, and you could scroll back all the way to the top. If you finished the game, uh, as I did a few times by dying, uh, <laughs> you could scroll all the way back up to the start and reread all the choices you had made to kind of refresh before you start over. Uh, so I actually quite liked that as well. And... One one thing Laura mentioned the reels the um, the kind of spinning slot machine that is sort of the dice of this game yeah very cool uh, one of the things that, that that's neat is lots of the items and uh, things that you and and like uh, things that you pick up and and so on uh, would allow you to spend them later in an interesting way uh, to re-roll or re-spin some of the slot machine wheels that you failed on. Mm-hmm. And you could just by looking at the slot machine, you give a good idea of whether or not you have a a, a good chance of success or or not. So, um, all all told, this is the one. Who, this is the game in the contest that I felt so far had the best mechanics. Yeah, I think it's a really neat system that he's creating here. I I, I have to. I hope this is something that he makes available to other IF writers. Um, cause it seems like an interesting platform and that has a lot of promise and I would love to, to play more games using this system. Uh, I'd also really like to play more games by this same author using this system. If he, you know, continues and, and makes a bigger project with it, I think it'd be great fun to play. Mm-hmm. He does cleverly include a, um, info sign up to get on the mailing list for the full game of this, mm-hmm. um, at the end of the game, um, previewing his work. I think, Mentioning other things could be done with this engine. I'd love to see a non-combat version of this because I love it. Um, here, it's very it's very easy to see how this is made for pursuing and other things happening. Um, I think this could be great with some other genres that are covered a lot, like mysteries, detective story, anything with menace. Agreed. Um, I think it would be a very strong new engine if he opens it up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and transitioning from Insignificant Little Vermin, a, a game with a custom engine and a very interesting uh, custom uh, 
uh, interface into another game with an entirely custom interface. Uh, Shane, I think you played more of domestic elementalism than I do. I did. Uh, do you want to talk about it a little bit? Sure. I, I guess it kind of depends on on whether you think I played it in the right way, because unfortunately I failed to complete this one. But domestic elementalism by Fire is Normal, which is like um, a really good username. So yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty good username. And it's, uh, it's true. A, um, it, it's a really neat uh, web-based game uh, that takes the kind of typical parser style of game where you're, you know, you've got your inventory, you navigate around, you move around and interact with objects. Um, and it builds that in something that's much more akin to a twine type uh, of game. Uh, and so you are a, you're a, a, a witch uh, whose uh, witch house is broken. And mm. so you have you are you are an academic witch, which is like the <laughs> witch if you of the mind. if you want to get Reagan to like buy in on a world or premise, if you say the words academic witch, I'm in, I'm there. Okay, <laughs> I, I I'm so in. Go ahead. The only thing yeah. that would take it further is if you it's could a dating date. sim. <laughs> yeah, yes. where you can <laughs> date academic witches. <laughs> Pretty Listeners, much. do you ha- do you have a suggestion for me? <laughs> right to info at the short game dot net. So the, the 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 world of the game is pretty neat. Uh, I mean, it's very confined because you're just going through the rooms of your house, and um, for the most part, you really just have four rooms that have these that are associated with the four elements, and uh, your house is broken. And in order to get things back up and running, it becomes clear as you explore around a little bit that um, you have to fix some of the things in your house that are broken that are associated with the element of each room. And so every room has an associated element. So, for example, the kitchen is the uh, fire room. This actually gave me a little bit of uh, Hadean Lands vibes, although yeah. on a much smaller and simpler scale. You know, you've got this magical setting uh, and everything has these sort of arcane properties and nothing is working as it should, but you're not sure why. And you have to kind of, uh, you know, explore around and try and figure it out. But unlike Hadean Lands, where there are, you know, thousands of steps and like dozens of rooms. By the way, guys, Hadean Lands is super, super good. Um this is on a smaller scale that made it feel a lot more manageable. And the interface, like Shane said, is really neat. I, I kind of was reminded a little bit of last year's um, Detective Land, where it was kind of taking a uh, parser style of game and presenting it with a lot more of a sort of interface that made certain things like inventory management um, a lot more manageable. Um and I, that's something I hope we see a lot more of. I I love parser based games, but I what I love about them isn't that there are there is no interface. You know, I like mm-hmm. I like when you take that that basic sort of very free uh, form play style of parser based games and you add on some graphics and um, and interface to help make certain parts of that process that would be otherwise kind of repetitive or, or, or fiddly, um, easier to manage. And so now speaking of, speaking of the interface, uh, my, my problem with this game and the reason I wasn't able to complete it, um, is, so I've said a couple of times on the show, I'm playing a lot of these games. I'm playing as many of these games as I can this year on my iPad. And for some things I'm loading them into, you know, a, a, a parser app. Uh, but for web-based stuff, I'm just loading it up uh, in my web browser, and unfortunately, I, I I can I can tell you I spent 
much more time than I should have with this game. This is actually something I've done now a couple of times where I've loaded up a game that was web-based on my iPad, and it initially seemed to work, but then I ran into problems. And in this game, unfortunately, the problem was not apparent for a while. I really enjoyed exploring the house, but then what I did not realize was I was not able to use any of the objects from my inventory, and I got eventually quite frustrated, and I looked at the walkthrough, and it turns out that I just simply couldn't do what I was meant to do in, like, scene one. So I, I'd explored everywhere and tapped on everything, but I just couldn't actually achieve any of the steps of the puzzles. So that was a bit of a bummer. Yeah, so when when you told me about that, uh, I tried it out in a desktop browser, and I didn't get this was only just earlier today, so I didn't have time to really dig into this as much as I probably would like. So neither of us has really dug into the game, you know, enormously deeply. Uh, I do kind of feel like I'm going to go back to this one. Um, so I did, was able to actually use items and, and the puzzles are pretty neat. You know, the, most of the puzzles involve uh, collecting items in the various rooms of your house and all of the items have an elemental association. Um and you can change their elemental association, which changes the properties of the item. Um, so very nice, uh, very very Hadean. Land. It really is, right? <laughs> it was. It's very. It's like Hadean Lands Junior, which is like great because Hadean Lands is really hard. Um, so it's it's a pretty good set of puzzles from what I saw. I think I really only got through like the initial, maybe kind of first baby steps of it, but. The presentation is really good. The setting is good. The writing is very, you know, to the point and, and not super overdone, but good. Um, I think this is a, a really solid game, and I intend to try to go back and complete it, at least enough of it to to be able to, you know, give it a vote. Um, but if I had to say, based on what I've seen so far, I'd give this a recommendation. I think it looks really cool. So on a much less puzzly front, uh, there's a game called Salt that's about 15 minutes uh, by Gareth Damien Martin. And this game opens up. It's beautiful. It's um, very minimalist. It's got some very small graphic elements, very careful topography. It is creating a very set mood. Um, you hear start hearing this music um, and you get this call to start pressing the space button to swim. And every, you have this little progress bar that goes towards the middle, goes down. And before it hits the middle, you have to hit the space bar again to keep swimming or else you're going to surface, uh, come back above the water. This gives the entire piece this really rhythmic quality because as you get tired, the bar gets smaller and smaller. You have to keep pressing space more and more. So as you're getting deeper in dives, you start kind of feeling like you're running out of breath because the pressure's on to keep pressing the space bar. And each time you resurface, you get this glimpse of the shore. The people are further away. Um, it's very haunting, very mesmerizing. Um, I, of course, decided I was going to swim and swim and swim until I couldn't anymore to see what happens. You might be someone who values your character's life more than I do, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I will say that it's poetic and minimalist and beautiful. I think something I wasn't expecting was how delicate it could be. Something you don't know until you start playing is that it's going to feed you only one line of text per stroke, basically. It's times. So you get one line at a time, 
one sentence, one phrase, um, and they change out, not necessarily with each stroke, but about with each stroke. So you don't have any history. You can't go back and read this. You've got to, you know, once you start playing, you have to keep playing. There's no pause button. Um, it really makes it a very end-to-end experience. It's unlike anything else. I don't think a pause button is something you need in other games, but given that you have to keep moving in this one, you do. But it's unlike anything I've played in IF Comp because of the constant input needed. It would be like if Eat Me required you to type eat every five seconds. <laughs> like You don't have anything like that. Yeah, you don't normally think of... Uh, interactive fiction needing to pause the game is in they're generally in a constant state of pause until you put in your next input exactly and this one is if you don't hit the space bar before the little progress bar hits the middle you will resurface or not like there you know it you basically are going to come up for air or go back to the shore and it's like a hitting a wall when that happens the the interface turns bright white uh the music changes you're at the surface of the water and the story you were in when you were underwater it's ended you can't go back to it it's a very interesting experience that they've it feels very designed and very curated in a way that um i think made it just feel stark compared to everything else. And I think the text is really lovely. I would love to be sharing quotes, but I was hitting the damn space bar. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I, I wanted to know more a couple times. I just stunk at hitting the bar. Cause if you hit it too often, um, it's kind of like a stamina meter. So you could just keep hitting it over and over again. So you never run out of breath, but then it's going to, tire you out and shorten so you get less story so you can risk it by hitting at the very last second so that you kind of maximize each stroke and you don't get tired you can have a longer story but if you're bad like i am you might get six or seven strokes into a really interesting story and then miss one because you're you're kind of chancing it to the last moment so it's things like that that make this feel much more your choice is really how you swim yeah that sounds pretty fresh You can also press up and down at times to make decisions. So you're swimming and then you have a decision, which is literally going up or down in the water. Um, Very different mechanically. And I think it felt much more immersive than it had any right to. At times I was thinking of Abzu Hmm. um, just because of all the, the, the lovely fish. But it's also, you know, you're swimming away from people and I felt like the decisions I was making to keep swimming away from shore changed the story. I'd love to play again with a more cautious take on the persona. I think I need a little space from it first because I I really enjoyed my experience and I don't want to know how much was recycled, but I really want to play again. Hmm. It's I think it's really interesting when uh games and I actually don't think that you can see this very often with IF uh works, but in games when they use sort of the interface and control scheme to sort of be part of telling the story or help kind of immerse yeah, you sort of in like the uh, like brothers yeah i was actually just about to mention that um because i think you know brothers, brothers is sort a of, tale the, of two sons brothers a tale of two sons is, is the uh 
the the best example I can think of of a game that sort of uses its control scheme as an integral part of sort of immersing you in the story and sort of actually makes the the control scheme kind of part of the emotional experience of the game. Yeah, like Octodad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're basically the same. And and having just booted this up and looked at it a little bit, uh, I I can see where like th- this this act of just sort of rhythmically pressing the space bar kind of helps mirror that feeling of you know rhythmic breathing and motion involved in swimming. Um, it seems like it seems like a really clever uh, kind of way to I don't know immerse you in the emotion of an experience more so than just making text-based choices. So yeah, really cool. Yeah. I want to give this a try. At times I was frustrated because I didn't get the depth I wanted, but that little is because I didn't get the depth in the game because I was, <laughs> I, I know there's opportunities I missed. I really liked my, the ending though, more of my ending. What a way to add a element of sort of stress and like commitment to an interactive fiction game. I would have never imagined that that you can get that feeling from a game like this. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I've never seen someone customize Twine that much. Yeah, I wonder if this is Twine. You know, that something that kind of uh, I wouldn't say exactly annoys me, but like puzzles me about the uh, about the IF Comp page is that uh, unless it's something really obvious, like they're using Inform or something, they don't generally say like they have a format, but most of them that are using Twine or other even more, you know, more custom setups usually just say web. And I mean, I'm the kind of nerd where I'm curious, like, did they make this with Twine or did they make their own custom thing? Or, you know, is this some system that I've never heard of that I should check out just out of curiosity? Like, um, but yeah, I don't know. This one just is listed as web along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. I think I I had to know that it was from Twine from, um, another reviewer but ah. i might be mistaken because the if comp does not list it that's that is correct yeah i kind of wish that whatever it did. engine they're using it, yeah. it is very custom though mm-hmm. whatever they're mm-hmm. using definitely well i played something that is quite the opposite of that i uh, i played unit 322 <laughs> by johnny moore i believe that's how you say it. i haven't seen this one at all so Muir. uh tell me about your yeah um it it is a mystery told entirely through the pages of an online encyclopedia. So yes, <laughs> it is exactly Academics what it is this year. Yeah. Right. It is exactly what it sounds like. It is set up entirely like a Wikipedia page or any other sort of online encyclopedia. Uh, it's not like a, does it doesn't look like Wikipedia as far as it's, you know, layout. It's actually just, text on you know black text on on a white background uh oh, i just found the title is unit 322 disambiguation which is a word you literally only ever hear on wikipedia because yeah <laughs> thank you for calling that out because that's so that's the home page you're on unit 322 disambiguation that's the home page and so you land here and it just says Unit 322 may refer to, and then it has a list of things that it may refer to, just like we're used to when you Google or when you Wikipedia something super generic. So some examples will be the Unit 322 murder, which you can click on, an unsolved murder in Adelaide, Australia, or Unit 322, a covert German research unit active during World War II, or three three minutes and 22 seconds, a song by American psychedelic rock band Unit. Uh, and might as well list them all. The last one is Reflection, often referred to as Unit 322, an episode of the TV series Unity. So it appears as if these uh, four things 
are all super separate and you can click on each sort of keyword like you would expect to in a encyclopedia page and it goes several layers deep you know i was talking about uh, you know one of them is an american psychedelic band and there is a page for psychedelic rock and very very generic things very <laughs> uh stuff you would expect like i said to see when you're on a encyclopedia page but as you read as you get further as you click deeper and deeper you start to uncover a deeper story and a deeper link full of intrigue. We're talking, huh. you know, World War II, uh, spy shades of MK Ultra, um, stuff like that, all mixed throughout. And it's really, really interesting. And it's the entire thing, except for a few parts, but I'm not going to get too spoilery, are written purely as generic encyclopedia pages. They are not, there's no narrative. You are discovering these links and discovering this story as you click down, you know, as you go through different pages. It's it's really interesting. It reminds me a little bit of um, I think Shane was talking about that game in the the last episode where, you know, the, the trick was that you could click on every single letter on the screen. You know, this is another sort of play on a thing that we're all used to um, in telling a story in a way that you wouldn't expect to. Um, it was really interesting. That's really neat. And I, I think it's kind of funny that this is essentially a faux Wikipedia page that has a walkthrough. Yeah. Having clicked through a few pages of it now, just while you were talking, I I think it's almost indistinguishable from like a large text, you know, uh, uh, blown up version of a Wikipedia page. It really has that vibe. Um, yeah. But uh, like yeah, I said, I, I feel like... I want to I see what more there is to this. That's really neat. There's there's some really good commitment to like the idea. There's several pages that as far as I can tell are only ba barely related to what the mystery is, you know? So it's not like it's, it, it, it masks the deeper story enough where it does feel like you're clicking on a, uh, um, on normal Wikipedia pages. Now that being said, it is not like super deep. It's, you know, you, you start to pick up pretty quickly, like, wait a second, something's going on here. Um, so they're not the whole idea of um, of digging through Wikipedia also, I think, has this really nice feel alongside the idea of exploring a conspiracy to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, you yeah. know, so, so I love it when the form and the subject matter of of a piece of IF really work together. Yeah. Uh, and, and conspiracy is a great word for specifically what it is that you're exploring. And there's a few parts that break the mold. Um, some of the citations that you get to are pretty much on the nose, kind of what's going on. Um, but it's all good writing. It's all very interesting. It actually reminds me a little bit of uh, only in what it's trying to do. One of my favorite novels is called Reader's Block by David Markson, which is uh, a whole novel which is just separate like quotes or thoughts or statements that seem entirely unrelated to each other but as you read them and as you go on it ends up being a really dense and deep story and so it's using like it'll be just things like random facts or random quotes or whatever and they feel like individual separate things but as you get more and more into it it's it's 
incredibly deep. Um, this isn't exactly like that, but I don't get a chance to talk about that book very often. <laughs> and so <laughs> it did feeling. it did remind me of like using something that we're used to um, to trick you into uncovering a story. Um, and so it, it's fun. It, I, I definitely recommend it. I mean, you probably get through the whole thing in 20 minutes. The, the IF comp says 30 minutes. I think I read every page. There's possibly some stuff that I missed, but, um, you know, I feel like I got it. So it's a fun little diversion. Definitely recommend it. Cool. Well, the next game that I played uh, a fair amount of this time and, uh, I, I do worry that I won't be properly doing this game justice by 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 talking about it, um, because I am notoriously the puzzle dunce on the short game. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I decided thanks for to, taking the heat from me. Yeah, well, <laughs> runner up. <laughs> I decided to play uh, the Wand by Arthur De Bianca um, primarily because I a couple of years ago in IF Comp 2015 I played Arthur De Bianca's. Um, oh, what was it called? Uh, like Grandma Bethlinda's puzzle box, or oh, yeah, Grandma yeah. Bethlinda's mm-hmm. mystery box, something like that. And I, box, I, okay. I really liked it. It's uh, it was a parser based game. This is too, um, but it, it was a parser based uh, kind of puzzle box game that had a real sense of humor. Um, but but it was it's exclusively puzzles. You know, it was it had essentially no story. It was a puzzle solved in a parser or rather more kind of a series of puzzles. And normally I kind of bounce off of things that are entirely puzzle oriented with no narrative um, or, or, or are so, uh, so like completely about their puzzles that, you know, basically if the puzzles are hard, I have a hard time. Uh, but uh, Grandma Bethlinda's uh, mystery box or whatever it was called, I may be getting that wrong, was really neat. And I, remember really liking it a lot. And so I was looking forward to trying another game by, uh, by Arthur DeBianca. He also did a game last year that I didn't play called inside the facility, but inside the facility, um, did pretty well in the comp last year. I think it was the, um, did you play that Nate? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I couldn't I, remember if we'd covered yeah, it or not. Um, I did play that. Um, I'm sorry that I don't have a, a that's okay. A it's been a year, um, but it was, it, yeah. it was an interesting kind of puzzle oriented, uh, game where, the only options you had in terms of uh, interaction were moving and waiting. There was no like examine and there was no like, I, I, I know this now because I read about it after, after, you know, thinking, Oh wow. I, I missed that game last year. But anyway, um, so this year he's got a game out called the wand, which might be his most sort of in depth, but also in a little bit of a way, a little more traditional than some of his other games. Uh, the wand is a game uh, where you play as, I guess, an intruder of some kind in a wizard's castle. Uh, when you get into the castle, uh, the first time you touch anything, you receive a terrible electric shock or, I guess, maybe spell shock of some kind. And uh, there is a wand there. And if you pick it up and point it at a statue of the wizard who owns the castle, um, uh, he comes alive, the statue does, and and says, Hi, I'm, I'm the wizard Bartholico. And welcome to my challenge. And uh, his his castle has been booby-trapped against intruders, so you can't touch anything with your hands um, or you'll get zapped. And after a while, it in fact just it deactivates all of your verbs for touching things. You can't go around just zapping yourself. It actually deactivates those hmm. verbs. So your only verbs relate to using the wand. And the wand is a magic wand with three kind of rollers on it or like dials. 
each of which has mm. 10 colors on it. And so the wand has different actions that it can do Reagan, based on already what you... sounding too complicated for you. You have a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is absolutely that. Um, and so the puzzles of the game mostly involve um, exploring the castle, trying to find combinations of colors. And there are hints to what combinations of colors do what all over the place. An early example would be that you're in a room with a locked door and you, um, if you examine things like the couch, there's a purple cushion on it with the number two stitched in it, that kind of thing. Um, but the, they get much more complex than that. Um, you get these three color combinations and depending on what you dial into your wand, they do different things. So for example, the first ones you learn are uh, red, green, blue, uh, pointed at an image of a person and that person will speak to you. Uh, red, white, brown, pointed at something and that thing will open. Uh, orange, brown, purple will levitate objects. Yellow, orange, orange will fix broken objects, that kind of thing. Um, and there are a lot of these. Uh, I kind of played around with it trying to dial in sort of random. There, I mean, there are 10 possible combinations on each dial, so that gives you a ton of possibilities. So wow. trying things yeah. randomly doesn't really hit most of the time. But I did find a few kind of out of sequence, and they were interesting without me being able to immediately tell what they were. For example, when I set it to all red, um, I hadn't figured out what it actually did yet, but it like kind of started blinking different colors. And it's like, well, what does that do? I have no idea. Um, so all that is to say, I think this is a really incredibly polished, very puzzle heavy, very, at least on my level, kind of difficult parser puzzle game with a lot of exploration that felt almost kind of Metroid-y in that generally you would kind of find this, uh, you know, you'd find a new ability and it would let you take some very specific action to progress in the space. But then you now had a new kind of tool on your tool belt that could be combined with all of your existing ones to try new stuff. Um, very cool. Lots of really interesting puzzles. It got, it got kind of overwhelming for me kind of fast um, I was taking a lot of notes, but even so, it was kind of hard for me to keep track of all of the uh, all of the wand combinations. And it doesn't do that for you in game. I think probably my biggest criticism here would be I would have really appreciated it if the game automatically recorded the color combinations of the wand for you. And it doesn't. You have to keep track of that yourself, like on paper, or I just made a note on my phone and was writing them down. But I, I then I found myself constantly, I was playing this in, in the, the interpreter on my phone, I was constantly switching back and forth between my notes uh, and, the, uh, and the game, and it got really tiring. Um, and... Uh, so I, I'm, I'm afraid I, I didn't get very far in it, or I'm not really sure how far I got. It doesn't seem like an absolutely enormous game, but I didn't, I didn't complete the game. And I probably won't, not because I don't think it's good. <laughs> I think it's a really, really good game of this type. It's just I bounced off it personally. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm having a hard time keeping track of what you're telling me about the game, <laughs> <Sorry>. let alone... <laughs> let alone how the game actually works but of course yeah right i'm sorry things. i've already i've already given up on this game i've already quit in despair <laughs> well without ever having launched I, it i really hope that's not the case for everybody because i think this is a i think this is a great example of this style of very puzzle heavy parser if and i'm definitely gonna play it i mean yes yeah. not saying i'm a glutton for punishment but i've you're a you're a mystery hunt gal you 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 know, yeah, I've done things that required whiteboards and entire rooms and 
17 people in a room overnight to solve. So not that I'm, again, doesn't mean I'm, maybe I'm more patient than you guys. Yeah, I think you that's absolutely are. I have the appetite for this kind of tracking. It is really helpful to know that they don't track for you because it does change the place and context that I would do this kind of game in. Yeah. Also, another thing I should mention about it is that while it has a kind of a light humor to it that I think is very, like this feels a lot like Grandma Beth Linda's to me in that there is a kind of a, a humor throughout. Um, and you know, occasionally there is dialogue with not actual like NPCs exactly, but like images of NPCs because you can bring them to life with the wand. Um, and so there there is opportunity for it to convey, you know, story and character. And it's mostly this sort of like light humor. I would I would call it sort of family friendly in a sense. Um, and that was working for me just as Grandma Beth Linda's did. Um, it's... Um, but but unlike something like um, the game we talked about last week, the the Wizard Sniffer, uh, that just absolutely sucked me in uh, with its characters and story, um, and gave me this enormous drive to complete its puzzles. And its puzzles were a little easier than this too. Um, but it, it really sucked me in with that stuff. Whereas this is really really puzzle oriented and the humor is just there as a kind of a sort of a light dressing on top of that puzzle salad if that makes sense mm, puzzle mm. salad <laughs> what kind of dressing goes on a puzzle salad well reagan uh to kind of take things in a different direction a game where i think the humor was really at the forefront uh as a game probably my favorite that i've played this week is called deshaun stevens ship log by Marie L. Vibert. Uh, now, I don't, I wasn't able to track down whether or not she's written other IF. I, I certainly haven't seen her name pop up before. But she, when I looked up her bio, she has written plenty of science fiction. And I really enjoyed this one. Uh, the, the general idea is that, uh, so first off, it's written in this style of a personal diary. And it's the personal diary of a guy who works as a sound and lighting tech on an outer space cruise ship. Nice. So as a part of that, he's it's written in this in this style that has the the feel of something that's written for no one but the author. If you know <laughs> what I mean? Like yes. like his his grammar and his sentence structure is very um uh kind of point to point bullet pointy and uh, he's also keeping track of several things. Like primarily, he his his diary has two has two functions. One, it is his ship log, and the other, it is his workout log. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and that gives you a kind of idea about who this guy is. Is that he is just as concerned about how many crunches he is able to do as about the fact that they make first contact with an alien race. <laughs> yeah, so it's very very funny. Uh, and so I, I thought there was a couple of other things about it. So first off, like just the writing and language was was really what made this stand out for me. But there are uh, several paths you can go through the, through the game, and and a few um, a few different endings. Uh, and there's also a good variety of interaction for this sort of game. This is a you know a web based game. In a lot of Twine games, it's just the click the word kind of interaction. And this one had a lot more going on. Um, like right up front, there's an interaction where um, you're presented with like a sentence and you're asked to sort of 
trim it down to just the essentials. And so it's a sentence that's basically something like, um, uh, you know, life on a cruise ship in outer space uh, can sometimes be tedious. And you click words to remove them until you get down to life is tedious. <laughs> and um, and that's the kind of that's the kind of kind of extra interact. Almost every scene in the game had some kind of interaction like that. I really enjoyed a scene where you were being interviewed by the aliens uh, who wanted you to explain various human idioms to them. Um, and that was funny because it's all filtered through the lens of Deshaun Stevens sort of broy, sort of dumb uh, <laughs> uh, kind of mentality. I, I have I feel like I have known many people like Deshaun Stevens because I have known several sound and lighting technicians. And this, <laughs> this is them. Yep. Um, I have dated lighting technicians and that yeah. is them. <laughs> As a former so, yeah. lighting technician, <laughs> I... <laughs> <laughs> Nate is doing setups right now. <laughs> yeah. So the other the other thing it's getting I like me all hot and bothered over here. Is that I it get had my... a very uh, it had a very explicit set of goals, and you kind of got to evaluate how you did at the end. But the goals were presented sort of in the form of his uh, New Year's resolutions, uh, which were uh, to get a new job and to find a new girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and, and so, yeah, honestly, this is, this is where I, this is the kind of IF I really love really strong personality, really good writing, um, and really short. This is one that you can play through in about 15 minutes. So, uh, full marks from the short game, uh, for this guy has a short game badge of approval from me. <laughs> hey, yeah, we have to vote on those badges. We don't have a ton of those. <laughs> yeah. I looked up her other games and, uh, she has three on her website and one is, um, Two of them are about Cleveland. One's about finding yourself in Cleveland. The other one is taking over the world, but you live in Cleveland. And the third <laughs> is called Space Princess Coronation. So I bet those are more of the same, considering one entire game is you want to take over the world, you live in East Cleveland, here are some of your options. <laughs> I could I could get down with some coronation. Yeah. I could okay. get down with some space yeah. space princess. This sounds really cool. But Will yeah. you make it to Space Queen? My favorite <laughs> ending that I ended up with was uh, he did find a new girlfriend, but it was an amorphous, uh, teal, cloud-shaped alien. And, uh, I hate where that happens. And they, they, they seemed to sort of click a little bit. We've all been I there. Kind of felt forced. Yep. <laughs> You know, uh, I have to I have to say that I I probably this is very I recognize this is very stupid, but I probably would have skipped over this one because it has no art on the IF uh, comp page, um, I, I, and it only just occurred to me like how much that that like subconsciously matters to me. Even even games with like bad art, I'm like, well, I recognize what that game looks like in my head if it's just the title, Deshaun Stevens ship log, um, like. You know, I have I have nothing for my like brain to hang on for for me to like recognize it on the list. Presentation matters. Well, Reagan, I got I I got freaking tricked by one. I'm going to talk about it later. That had real sweet art. So you gotta you're gonna have to uh, switch that heuristic off pretty quick. Absolutely, absolutely. So, oh, sorry, Laura, go ahead. Oh no, I I thought you were going to transition me into. Oh, it. I have I have nothing to do. <laughs> I have no transition for this one. So speaking of. Hexteria Six Axis Quixmareth. No. Not a science fiction game, although the name might confuse you a bit. 
it's a game about uh, linguistics. It's not even about language. It is about linguistics. Um, there's no way to say this out sounded pretentious, but it is basically the Saper-Whorf hypothesis that language, the language you speak shapes your brain. Yeah, I saw Arrival. I know all about that. <laughs> yes, good. It's Arrival. Um, it's nothing like Arrival. So basically, um, it's based on the short story about um, reading a book, but two people have kind of um, different sources and they conflict and they're having a conversation about it. Um, but they keep kind of looking for different you know, words in the text and looking at more information. That's the original short story. This is you're an academic and you're looking up a language and what it says the language is based on is shifting depending on the texts. So in one, uh, you might look at something that quality is the basic way you define it. So books might be called printed or bound or readable. Um, in other places, uh, they might be based on actions or names so that you have different names for things depending on what concept your language is based on. So it is a game where you're kind of reading texts that disagree with each other. Um, and one of the weird things they've done to play with this kind of mutable word language piece is you can click on words and change the syllables and that becomes the name of the next language. So you look up a book and let's say you've named it Quarth, you click on the, the next one and you might click on the syllables again. And the next place it's quaith. So you kind of are changing the words as you go along. But every time you change the words, you pick up a different book and it's a different author who's gotten something a little mixed up. Hmm. Yeah. It's even you can even change the title of the game. So on the first page, they have the the hexterra um, as three different syllables and you can click on any of them and change them to access or, you know, move them around. And I will say that some people had trouble figuring out how to beat the game. Uh, tracking those syllables actually becomes important later on. Hmm. Beginning is just a toy. Um, I'd say the only thing that bothered me that was in a, game that's about language and it's so elegantly designed there's a lot of space there's a lot of different um typefaces used for different things um and it's very dense sometimes there were no spaces between words and i couldn't tell if it was because in the world of this interactive fiction piece different understanding is one word or if that was a typo hmm. <laughs> and i've been reading a lot of um his Dark Materials, because the new book came out, um, and Philip Pullman glues together words, and when he does it, that is the word as used as a single unit in that language. Could not tell. I couldn't <laughs> tell if these were different words or if it was just, like, ancient city, probably one word, Lagomashi's one word, but sometimes, like, employing actions and the word Actions is in bold and something you click on, but they're glued together. And I'm like, that's not one word if half of it's interactive. That's anyway. the kind of that's the kind of only overthinking that you would only get into in a game that's literally about language. Exactly. But it ends on a quote that I think actually sums up the whole thing. So if you like this quote, you probably like the game. Reality is divided into arbitrary categories by every language in the conceptual world with which each of us is familiar could have been divided up very differently. Indeed, no two languages categorize reality in the same way. 
So if you were down with that sentence and that kind of academic ease, this whole story is like that. It's definitely a mood. It's not going to be for everybody. Don't do it after you've had a beer. But <laughs> I think that it's trying to make a toy of linguistics, and I've got to respect that. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. It's another good example of kind of messing with the structure of IF and what you can do with IF. And I know the space thing is has got to be intentional because you'll see like Shoresley Burgess, all one word. Like yeah. I know it's got to be intentional. For me, I couldn't give it meaning, so it drove me up the wall. <laughs> I think this is like exactly the kind of thing that you can only do in something like Twine. Like th- you, this is doing more than you'd do with a similar kind of the a similar kind of concept as a simple like short story or or something. Um, but you couldn't put this into another format. Like, I mean, you couldn't do this exactly in a parser, but you know, this is like, this is a, this kind of like language, uh, thought experiment, I guess, is something that feels very sort of interactive fiction, hypertext native. Like it's a really cool idea. I, I have only kind of leafed through it just now, but I'm extremely intrigued by it. So yeah, um, I have a hard enough time with parsers and knowing what word to type. I really don't need it to be a fake language <laughs> when I type into the And <laughs> only at one point, it's just uh, the name of the language and the region is what you get to change. And you might change okay. just the middle syllable. You might change all of them. And then it picks up whatever you've named it and carries it forward. You don't have to track them, per se. Um, at some point, you do have to know what syllables are, but they tell you. So, But it's it's about 10 minutes, yeah. So the next game I played, uh, I played because I was about to get on a plane. I was uh, coming back from Dallas. I uh, went to a funeral over the uh, the weekend, and uh, was coming back from the you know the Fort Worth Dallas airport. And just before I got on the plane, I was like, I should download some games to my phone. Uh, and so I went through over the list uh, and tried to pick out some games I could download into uh, Frot. So I was. Uh, it, exclusively looking at parser-based stuff that would work on the iPhone interpreter frauds. And uh, so the first thing I came across uh, was Measureless to Man, which is a good title. And uh, it has a content warning, airplane danger of the kind that can exacerbate a fear of flying, thrills, and fantasy (laughs) peril. And so I thought, perfect. I made a joke about you playing this game. I didn't realize you actually did it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, So I I downloaded this to my phone and decided to play it on the airplane. And uh, so I have, uh, have, you know, positive and probably less positive things to say about it. But to start with, just I think it's it's a, uh, first of all, it's the... It's got a, it's a very intriguing setup. Um, so the uh, the the intro text, the description on the page: uh, You're on your way home from Cairo with nothing but a rumpled suit and an apple for lunch, but the plane passes through dark air over fathomless seas, past the heavens, under the deep. There are secrets hidden in the crevasses of the world. Something is in you, longing to seek them out. And why not? Either way, you're doomed. And so it's very sort of um, Lovecraftian, I think. Um, the uh, the the game starts out with you you know the initial scene it plays out in about three or four scenes um, so it's a fairly short parser game it doesn't list a time on the website I would estimate I think I played for about an hour or an hour and a half um, and I didn't see the ending for a reason that I will explain in a moment but it's uh, it's a it starts out very intriguing you are on an airplane. Uh, 
uh, as it mentioned, um, and you have a few things in your pockets and you're strapped in. So you have to examine the items in your pockets. One of them is a mirror and you realize from the description, when you look in the mirror that you're wearing makeup and that one of your eyebrows is coming off. And so, uh, your first sort of puzzle is to get out of your seat and to collect your belongings and get to the airplane bathroom and try to fix your makeup. And when you, uh, when you peel off the false eyebrow underneath is rotting flesh. So uh. <laughs> that's very, that's like that scene. I was like, I'm all in. This is great. Hey, oh, sick as hell. finally, sick, we right? have a Halloween episode. Go on. I know. Right. So, okay. I was very, very in this at the beginning. Uh, and, uh, there are, uh, I was, fairly in it most of the way through, but I ran into a few issues. Uh, I'll go ahead and just explain them. Um, first of all, I, I ran into some things that I'm not 100% sure are bugs, but I'm pretty sure are bugs. For And and some of them were total showstoppers, and I had to restart this game from basically the beginning uh, a few times. Um, one was just right at the very beginning, I got up out of my airplane seat, and uh, it doesn't tell you that you have a bag with you while you're sitting in the airplane seat. Um, and so I got all the way to the bathroom on the airplane and um, didn't have my bag with me. And it hadn't described that the fact that there was a bag. And so I ended up spending a good long while. And understand, I was on an airplane playing this, so I couldn't easily check the uh, the walkthrough. Um, so I uh, uh, spent quite a while trying to figure out what to do next eventually got frustrated and restarted the game because I, you know, I tried at this point to go back to my seat and sit back down and it wouldn't let me do that. Or at least I couldn't figure out how to get the parser to let me sit back down in my seat. You can only pick up your bag while you're seated in your seat, but it will let you get up out of the seat and walk to the bathroom without your bag. But there is something I won't spoil what in your bag. Actually, I will spoil what there's a sort of creepy, very HP Lovecrafty book that you're carrying with you. That's very dark and creepy and you need it to progress and you can leave it at your seat and somehow never get it back. Uh, so I had to restart and a very similar thing happened to me several scenes later, uh, where I apparently left the book on the airplane after getting out of the airplane and couldn't figure out for the life of me how to get back in and had to restart again. Um, so I had some major frustrations with what seemed like basic inventory management bugs in this. Um, I don't know, man. That could just be some real Lovecraftian shit about that book. <laughs> I think you're right, actually. <laughs> um, and, and there were some other things. Like it has uh, it has this very interesting um, uh, uh, flashback sequence in the middle. Uh, it has some very very odd parser stuff. Just just a few weird things about it. There's a uh, a scene. A lot of things where you have to repeat the same command multiple times, but it doesn't signal to you that it's doing anything different. So, for example, there's one part where you're kind of floating in a kind of a blank void, and you have to you see something off in the distance, and you have to go up and southeast, I think. And you have to do that like 15 times, and it gives you basically the same text every time. You know, if I type up southeast, I get the exact same place description, and I'm floating in a blank void. I'm going to assume that I can't move because when I type in to move, it doesn't tell me that anything happened. Um, similar thing happened when I was floating in the ocean. Um, and even, uh, even conversations, there's a conversation with your grandpa in the game where you ask him in a flashback, where you ask him about the book in order to progress the game, you have to ask grandpa about book like 10 times in a row. Um, so it, it, it has this expectation that 
you're going to figure out that you're supposed to. Those were all situations where I tried it a few times and thought the game was telling me you're done, try something else. But actually I was just supposed to try that thing many, many times. Um, sometimes it was a little more obvious than others. Like the grandpa thing was a little better hinted at, but man, that, that really stymied me. And by the second time that I had to start the game over because I couldn't figure out what had happened to the book, um, I kind of gave up. So that's where I was at with it. It's a really, I really like the sort of Lovecraftian, oh, the setup, the initial scene is fantastic. Um, and even the, the like subsequent stuff was pretty cool, but I couldn't quite get through it. I think it needs another layer of polish, if that makes sense. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll at least give it the uh, the thumbs up of like playing that first scene on an airplane. I was like, this is cool. So I watched uh, Con Air on an airplane once. <laughs> <laughs> How did that make you feel? Uh I mean, I love Steve Buscemi, so sure. pretty good. <laughs> totally. Pretty good. You know, I know f- some folks are like, you know, and that's probably why they put the content warning on here. Some folks are, uh, you know, m- nervous about flying and made more nervous by depictions of or descriptions of, uh, you know, air disasters and stuff. I live for that. If I'm on an airplane, that is the best time for me to read about air disasters. I don't know, dude. I, they might as well have put trigger warning inventory management <laughs> <laughs> for me. Yeah. But uh, so I, I played a game that I uh, I definitely have been looking forward to talking about. Speaking of games where uh, a bug sets you back, I definitely had a bug set you set me back on this one. Um, although probably not fair to call it a bug. Uh, honestly, once again, I am being a, you know, guy with a kid and I'm playing all these all these games that I can on an iPad. So. So this is a game that um, where I had some setbacks, but I really ultimately did go on to enjoy it. Uh, Transient Skies by uh, DGTZIA, perhaps. Um, so Transient Skies, when I when I open it up, it, I, I'm a sucker for space exploration, and so this is a game where uh, you are going from planet to planet and exploring and collecting minerals and uh, all sorts of things. Really, this game is a note-for-note, especially the first part of this game, it is a note-for-note recreation of a game that I really enjoyed this past year, um, No Man's Sky. So did anybody but me on this show play No Man's Sky? Yeah, I have it. Yeah. So it's a game where you're, you know, wandering fairly aimlessly from planet to planet, um, collecting resources and exploring around and scanning creatures, uh, getting credits, buying upgrades for your ship. And that's exactly what you're doing in this game. You're, you're going from planet to planet and, um, basically you are interacting with, you know, you have a few different ways to interact on the planet. You explore, 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 and then if you see something that's like a creature, you can scan it. Some of the creatures are hostile and you can fight them. Um, what's really weird about it, I've almost never encountered this in a game that was IF before. This is a game where you're really grinding for resources. There's like a hmm. serious grind to this game. Uh, and every few planets, you get a little vignette that gives you a... Um, 
insight into who you are and why you're on this mission. And, you know, but basically you're doing exactly what you did in No Man's Sky, which is head straight for the center of the galaxy, uh, cruising from planet to planet with no hope of return. I don't want to get into like heavy spoiler territory, but eventually you do find a, uh, a, a main planet that there's a couple of big events that happen. None of them are particularly, you know, earth shattering. Uh, but you know, you find a a nice pet that comes along with you. That was entertaining. And the the, the pet kind of comes up again and again. Um, and you eventually find a planet where you're going to spend a little bit more time. Most of the planets, you're just kind of there to scan things and collect some rocks and then take off and, and head on to the next scene. Um, I've got to say I'm not a huge fan of the grinding in this game. Like grinding to me, uh, trust me, I I played already probably 100 hours of Destiny 2. I'm a big fan of grinding, but it's not what I'm looking for when I come to an interactive fiction game. Um and and what I ultimately got after the grind didn't fully feel like it paid off. So I guess that's kind of my criticism of the game. Um, it does have some things that I think are really promising. I, I like space exploration and I like upgrading my ship and I liked kind of collecting enough stuff to upgrade my ship enough to explore new planets and try new things. Uh, that that loop is a satisfying one and it was fun. Um, and learning more about my mission and exploring the... Um, the reasons for me going on this long journey, uh, that was also interesting. And you get to make some decisions that, you know, really felt like they they steered not necessarily the, the direction of the story, but they gave you the ability to comment on, on who you thought you were as a character, who you thought your character was. Uh, and I always enjoy that. So, I don't know, I, this, is, this wasn't my, my favorite game that I played this week. Uh, but it was pretty good. Now, all that said, like I said, I'm playing this on my iPad. There is nothing more frustrating than starting over in a game and not realizing that you have started over. <laughs> oh. And the fact that the fact that it was so grindy, uh, combined with the fact that on iOS, unfortunately, I've found that there are a lot of Twine games that just don't simply that simply do not play super well. With the um, the fact that uh, iOS will sort of reload things in the background, like you might switch apps and then switch back, uh, and then go back into your web browser, and then suddenly, um, you know, the the page has been reloaded. Uh, this game kind of masked that, so I spent over two hours in this game before I got to any of what I would consider the real meat of the story. Just tapping away, tapping away grinding and grinding expecting there to be something i think if someone played this on a desktop computer they might have a better experience than i did but um yeah be careful with that i i really should retire the ipad as a means of playing twine and and if because it's it's come back to bite me a few times and uh, for next week i think i'm i'm really gonna have to you know just just to mention it because i won't probably get a good opportunity to talk about it on the show again um if you're into space exploration, interactive fiction, um, the winner of last year's, I never quite know how to pronounce this, ZZ Award, the XYZZY Award, um, Superluminal Vagrant Twin, 
is mm. a fantastic game in that same mold. It's a it's a sort of limited parser uh, space trading game done through a through a through a parser, and it is it is really excellent. Um, it's a bit or a bit on the longer side. I think I played it for a good three or four hours, but it has a lot to do. Um, and like, so if you're looking for a space trading game where you're flying around from planet to planet, upgrading a ship and trying to make money, uh, completing a variety of different types of missions, um, that is uh, another really, really good one to check out. Um, I, I just finished playing it a couple of weeks ago and I really, really dug it. Awesome. Yeah. Another thing that I will never, ever get to discuss on this podcast properly is that I fucking love space simulators. <laughs> that is not enough good short game length space simulators, are there? Sims of any kind are not don't lend themselves to short gaming. Yeah. Quick plug for FTL. Barely comfortable <laughs> what we're talking about. But, uh, I guess that that's in. true, man. You did cover an entire episode on FTL. We did it. know, but that was like our third episode. I played hundreds of hours more since we did that. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I'm going to jump into my next game. I played a game called Swizian, Swizian um, which I actually looked up as best I can find. It is Old English for to be silent, which is oh. a very narratively perfect. Um, this game is by Rainbus North. So uh, it is a very, very simple parser, which is exactly the type of parser that I am looking for. Um, it is even in itself calls itself a minimalistic parser or a minimalistic game entirely. So the description, or at least the sort of tagline for this game says, I don't like talking, let's build a fire. And the entire text of this game is exactly like that. Super short sentences, very terse, uh, which I really appreciate. You know, I find sometimes frustratingly in a lot of these games, uh, sometimes it just feels like people are writing for the sake of writing. It's all so flowery and, and purpley. I do enjoy a straight to the point sentence sometimes. Uh, and that is this entire game. Um, you have a very limited verb set. The puzzles are very simple. It's really just pick something up in one room and bring it to another room or like, Hey, the armor is dusty, so you clean the armor. Like it's it's all pretty straightforward. There's a hint system where you just say help, and it tells you what the next move is. Like it's it's really not about it being difficult. Um, it's more about sort of a mood and a tone. And similar to the first game I talked about, as you go on what's really going on slowly and surely starts peeking through the game. Uh, The short sentences stay the same, but maybe they start a few words start creeping in that give you a little bit more context. It reminded me a little bit of a dark room. One of my favorite games that we did from, I think it was 2015 where you slowly start learning a little bit more about who, what you actually are. Um, So if you're looking for a simple parser, 
but one that has a surprising amount of depth in its minimalism, I definitely recommend it. That sounds extremely my shit. Yeah, and it takes about maybe 30 minutes. The walkthrough is really funny. It's just a list of the parser commands. It's not even like <laughs> it's just a top-down list of what you type in what order. Um yeah, I, I recommend it. I had one part that I got stuck on because I feel like the they missed a step in like the parser where the verbs, it, it didn't like my full sentence. It wanted just a single word. Um, so so when you're in a boat and if you're having a difficulty with that boat, stop using the word boat and just say what you want to do. That's my only, <laughs> uh, that's my only <laughs> spoiler because um, I had to go look. That's why I know about the walkthrough because – I knew what I needed to do, but couldn't figure out what to type. Um, but yeah, I recommend it. it. It's simple. It's quick. Uh, and it's deep. So check it out. That's awesome. Uh, I played one more game that I can talk about a little bit this week. Uh, and that is uh, a twine game called Nina. So this is, a, I'm not quite sure how to appropriately pronounce this. Nina, like N-Y-N-A, lives or lives. I'm not sure which. It is about a cat. Uh, who has nine lives, and so it could be either Nina lives because she does, or Nina lives uh, because she has them. It's by Sarah Rhiannon Nowak, Nowak, and um, you know, it, basically anything that features witches on the list, I'm gonna play because you know that's my jam. Uh, and uh, this one you play as the witch's cat. Uh, so the, the the description text: the life of a witch's cat is no stroll in the park. Uh, it's more like a stroll through monster-infested woods, over temperamental streams, and across festering swamps. But you can handle it, right? Uh, and it's a it's a pretty cute little twine game. Um, the premise is basically that your your master, the witch, has told you to go and collect something for her, and you have to go through the dark woods in order to collect it and bring it back. Um, and it's sort of about the little adventure you have along the way, m- most of which just amounts to kind of you making choices about, okay, will I... Uh, it almost sort of... Uh, um, uh, Oregon Trail type of choices, like, well, I've gotten to a river. Should I try to uh, to you know cross the river on these s- slippery stones, or should I walk around it? Should I try to swim? Should I caulk the wagon and float it? You know what I mean. And um, it uh, so it, not super complicated, very sort of choose your own adventure style. Uh, uh, but I, I enjoyed it. It was really, uh, really cute. It does have a little bit of a, uh, kind of, I wouldn't say twist ending, but it gets the, the, the story has some unexpected turns just towards the end. Um, not a whole lot to say about it other than that. It's a nice, very short, maybe 15 minute little twine game. The one thing about it that I thought was quite nice was that, you know, being a cat that has nine lives, uh, there are many opportunities to die on your little trip and, uh, you are, uh, each time that you die, you, you know, lose one of your nine lives and it just sets you back to the choice before. And you can see, okay, I clicked on that one. Let's not try that one again. Let's try this other option. Um, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting about it was about halfway through, I was like, I'm not actually sure if this is the same cat throughout the whole, whole thing, particularly there's Hmm. some text quite just at the end that, that 
kind of raise that question a little bit more. Like, is this the prestige? Yeah, is this a single cat with nine lives, or is this? Uh, are we looking at a whole series of sad, fated witches cats? Uh, she, you know, even at, just at the beginning, she she you know makes reference to uh, you know the the bad things that had happened to your predecessor cats. Um, so it's unclear whether Nina has nine lives or there's just a bunch of cats named Nina. Uh, but it was a pretty cute little cute little game. Sounds fun. I think I'm a fan of anything with cats. I enjoy a cat game where the cat does, I guess, get to live. Although I guess you like playing games where cats die, right? <laughs> this was no tag harem. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, if, if cat death distresses you, this might distress you less than Chandler Groover's game, but uh, m- maybe avoid it if cat cat death really gets to you. Like a normal person, it would. Fans of cat death will really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so for our last game, um, in the... We have a little spreadsheet, a little behind the scenes peek of how people are, you know, what people are playing and how they're doing. Um, the status for this one, Shane, just says completely trolled. Would you like to <laughs> yeah. talk to us about the dragon? We'll tell you your future now because I'm I'm very intrigued by the phrase completely trolled. Yes, as a status so, indicator. So I couldn't mark this game as completed. Um, there is. And I've known this that there there is a there is somewhat of a tradition, I guess if you can call it that, in IF Comp of troll entries, where there's a game that uh, is put forward as a joke in some way, uh, and I suspect that is what has happened to me here. So the dragon will tell you your future now, Reagan. I mentioned, you know, be wary of games with sweet art. And perhaps even sweeter titles. It's a really good title. I was so ready to have the dragon tell me my future. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, yeah. So so this game starts off really well. Like, you you are um, you're in this sort of waiting room, this antechamber. Um, and there's a owl uh, there who is working a desk. And there's lots of things for you to inspect and, and look at. Um and you have an appointment with the dragon uh, behind this big set of doors. And pretty much all of the interaction in the game um, is you trying to get through those doors. <laughs> and you can't. <laughs> <laughs> you have lots of ways to try, and none of them work. Not one. Um, and I really, I really got, I, I got really confused about this game. I spent much longer than the, uh, stated 15 minute playtime uh, of this game trying to get through these doors. I tried everything. I tried it all twice. I downloaded the game as HTML and I opened it up to see oh my God. if there was a way through, if there was any text that I'd missed in the game. And there wasn't. I'd seen everything the game had to offer, <laughs> and there is no way through the doors. Shane, I played this game for about a minute and a half, and I was like, oh, I don't have time for this right now, so I'll get back to it later. I admire your commitment. Yeah. So I, yeah, I got, I got, I, I had this whole arc of, of emotion from intrigued when, you know, you're in the, the best part of the game is before you even try the doors, which is when you're, you're interacting with the owl who's going to, you know, escort you in, presumably. Uh, there's this whole moment that I really liked where um, 
there's like a magical lamp in the room. And if you if you look at it, it sort of leads you down this long series of of uh, of bits of text as you cannot tear your attention away from this magical lamp. I thought that was neat. Uh, overall, I thought the writing was good, but I, I, I cannot give this game a recommendation because to me, you're not a short game unless you can end the game. <laughs> There's no end to the game. There, every, it's, a, it's a complete circular game. It takes you back to the same point every time, no matter what you try. Uh, there's, for example, you're able to try and kick the door down, right, to, to get through. Um, you can do a variety of different kinds of kicks <laughs> at the door <laughs> to try and kick your way through. None of them work, but some of them look cool. Um, <laughs> there's, there's a, you can reach... You can re- try and reach through the door. Has a, it's open a crack, which is even more frustrating. Like you can you can reach your arm through the door, and the dragon will start to talk to you and say, "Hello, come on in." <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a you you can try to squeeze yourself through that crack, but you don't fit. And one of the options is die of embarrassment, <laughs> but you don't die. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah, and that's so, that's actually yeah. like, that's like a very successful troll. I felt ext- I I mean I've I have I haven't gone to any ex- I've never gone to the extreme of downloading a game and trying to expect inspect its source code before. So that's yeah no successful troll yeah successful, highly I was successful. Um, so game. I just click so the, the the author of this game is listed as uh, news reporter. And uh, clicking through to News Reporter's website, uh, it seems to be a uh, a very serious new, uh, gaming news blog called Fuck You News Reporter. Fuck you. Informed, <laughs> uh, which features such totally factual articles as why the Xbox One X will only play classic Xbox games. The upcoming <laughs> Xbox One X is touted to be the most powerful console ever, so why will it only play classic Xbox games? We spoke to two top Xboxers to get the scoop on what's behind Microsoft's strategy and what we can expect from the Microsoft Xbox One X. Nice. It seems like this guy is a very joyous yeah. troll, so good on him. <sighs> it sounds like this successfully ruined your night. <laughs> Hats off to you, fucker. <laughs> And on that note, uh, I think it's about time for us to wrap up. Um, so we hope to bring you more IF Comp in the very near future. Uh, we uh, we really really enjoy doing these episodes. Uh, so you know, if you uh, enjoy them and like the show at all, first of all, there are many things that we want from you right now. Let us know what we've missed. If there's a good game or an interesting game that you've played as part of IF Comp that we haven't covered yet, we want to know about it. We want to know what's interesting, what we want, what we ought to play, what we should be covering on the show. So please let us know. Uh, secondly, uh, we would, do you know of a game where an actual dragon will really tell me my fortune? (laughs) Please. Uh, secondly, leave us a review on iTunes or tell and, or tell a friend about the show. Uh, the best way that we have of growing this show, this podcast is word of mouth. And that is up to you. Please. If you like the show and you think there are folks in your life 
uh, online or off that would enjoy it in any way, let them know about the show and leave us a review on iTunes if you have a moment. We really do appreciate it. It's the main way that you can support the show. Um, you can find our show on the web at www.theshortgame.net. We've got a contact form there. It's a great way to let us know what you think uh, or let us know about games that you're playing. You can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game, and we're very active there. So drop us a line on Twitter. We are sure to see it. Um, I have been Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? Also on Twitter at Nate, Nate STL. I also want to uh, quick shout out to those in the IF community who have already reached out to us. We've been getting, uh, it's been great hearing from all of you. So yes, that's absolutely. Fun. Thank you very much for reaching out to us. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me uh, sneaking around outside of news reporter's house, uh, <laughs> trying to cut his internet lines, um, or on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>